something else. Brian Taylor is now confusing Wood and Highmore. I'm like, get a job. If you can't tell Kent and Membry apart, that's maybe understandable due to the tattoos. But Wood and Highmore, one's forward, one's back. You might be here because you thought it was about golf. Or maybe you're here because you just love hearing Australians talk amongst themselves. Or maybe you're here just because you were looking for a club with girls in it. Whatever brought you here, we've got your back. Celebrating the Australian Football League St Kilda Football Club. Whether you're near or far, as long as you're not a Collingwood supporter, you're welcome to join us. Two girls, one club. I watched the highlights, like most of the highlights again before we started. Um, and I hadn't seen before what set off that scuffle. I just saw the tape, like I just saw kind of it evolving in the end of it. But after Mason Wood kicks his goal, he starts to celebrate with um, Jack Higgins. And then a Richmond player is sort of passing by Higgins and literally just like basically does the same thing that we saw happen to Max King, which is like, basically just grabs him and like chucks him to the ground because Richmond can't take the fact that they're not doing well. It's like, they want to be able to dish it out without having to take any, I think Cochin's a disgrace. Yeah. If you're talented and you're winning, you don't have the right to then also, you know, not be able to be humble about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And also because Jack Higgins used to play for Richmond, it was a bit of a low blow. Um, Definitely. Let him like. Yeah. You guys need to focus on your team, not our team. Yeah, it was silly, really silly, and I felt bad for Mason Wood because like his celebration was cut short. Welcome back to Two Girls One Club. On Friday, the Saints played the Richmond Tigers at the MCG, and drum roll, please, Bianca. And we beat the Tigers by forty points. So the game was obviously fantastic to watch as a Saints fan and reignited both the sides. And I'm not, I'm not sure if it, it reignites our season, but I think it reignites what we have left to achieve in this season. Sophia, you want to give us the final score? Yeah, so the final score for Richmond was 22, kicking two goals and 10 behinds. And for Kilder... 62, nine goals, eight behinds. And that's the lowest score Richmond has had since 1961 against St Kilda. And the lowest score they've had at the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, since 1927, nearly 100 years. And now the lowest score they've had under their current coach as well. So the game started with actually a late change, uh, which uh, was quite... Uh, exciting really uh Billings Jack Billings was subbed out due to a sore knee uh in the pre-game warm-up and it was a bit strange because it came up on the screen as Billings out and Connolly in but then it became apparent that Nick Caulfield was actually brought on and Connolly became the medical sub so uh we kind of in Billings lost a midfielder and gained Caulfield defence. So Ryan Burns was actually pushed into the midfield and he played extraordinarily. Yeah, he was really, really great. I felt like he was athletic and smart and 
kind of playing at the same level of our usual top 22. He really sort of um, put his body on the line for the ball, had a couple of little smart moves. He just felt like he really fit in with the top 22, kind of in line with him being called ready-made before coming into the number ones. Um, I thought Mason Wood was awesome too. He was super fit and he was on it. Um, there was one point where he was going down and did an amazing handball. It just felt like we were willing to communicate with one another this time. Um, in terms of how people, you could see our players speaking with one another on the field, um, quite passionately at the beginning, I felt a little bit nervous because Richmond had better pressure than us and they were kind of dominating, which led to a couple of behinds. Um, and I felt like every time we got the ball, we were just blasting it down the line instead of being strategic with our kicking. So you know, as Nick Rewalt said, um, who was commentating, he was a little bit nervous and felt like it, the, the game had a bit of a smell about it. But um, we ended up pulling through and, um, you know, you could sort of see the start of what we were trying to do. Hill took a ball once um, Richmond scored a behind and uh, he looked to be kicking it down the line, but then sort of went to run for it and gain a little bit more ground and be a little bit um, smart with it. And that was really great to see I'm really enjoying the risk taking um but at the same time we played quite conservatively we did I think I maybe I don't remember but I just thought from the get-go our pressure was great and I thought uh I thought we were really calm considering it was against Richmond who often who so often sort of take the ball and run and sort of leave the other team sort of standing there dumbfounded uh I absolutely loved Ben Long being forward I thought he made so many great assists he also later on in the game kicked a fantastic goal uh he assisted our first goal actually which was by Daniel McKenzie which was a little soccer off the ground which was so great to see um McKenzie coming back into the side after a calf injury and we were just I just thought we were really taking them on and uh playing with a lot of heart did you see the long high yeah it wasn't high not not him on someone else someone else on him oh my god yeah and he fell to the ground he was he was acting a little bit he was trying to get you the think? Free. yeah yeah but I mean I didn't think so fair. I actually it's... just thought that it was it was just high and no one did anything about it but maybe because it wasn't a close-up shot so maybe you're right I I think as well the umpires can't do anything when they haven't seen anything. Like, that's good umpiring, really. One thing I have written, though, a lot throughout the game, because I don't know if this is just our side, but soccering the ball off the ground has become a bit of a thing, which is great. It's helpful to the game. I think there was at least two occasions where a free was given to Richmond because of dangerous... uh, conduct which was basically sock trying to soccer it off the ground but someone's head was near the ball Richmond did that from the get-go Jack Rewalt did it near one of our players head in in the first quarter and nothing was done about it and it, it happened a lot and it was just frustrating that when they did it it seemed okay but when we did it it didn't it doesn't matter because we won I didn't I didn't pick up on that if I'm honest I just yeah Richmond thrive off of playing a really quick game um, and being really agile and sort of inventive. Um, you think about Dusty Martin and that's kind of his style of play, but uh, it, it does feel like they're not kind of penalised for those moments when they are being a little more 
rough and ready. Um, but like you said, in terms of it seems like there was more of a calm about us this time. It did feel as though we were playing with more composure and um, perhaps, you know, having been humbled by several losses and just sticking to what they were trying to work on for the rest of the season for their own game rather than winning finals and having Ryder and Marshall back, which we'll probably touch on a bit later, obviously gives a confidence boost. After the game, when Luke Dunstan was interviewed and then following on from that, I think it was someone else was interviewed. I mean, maybe it was, maybe it was Collins or maybe it was, um, maybe it was Brett Ratton, but they said that Mm -hmm. coming into this, Connolly, yeah, maybe they said coming into this week that there were two things that they wanted to focus on. And, but they didn't say what those two things were. And none of the reporters thought to go, what were the two things, Rats? What were the two things, Dunstan? Like literally no one asked that question. And I'm just sitting there thinking, what are the two things? I know, because the two things changed a lot, really. Uh, yeah, I think maybe having that clear focus, sort of allowing them to relax into whatever else they were doing. Um, maybe communication as well. And like trusting your teammates and because they said they had a lot of honest conversations, maybe it was more about like uh, showing up, not just for yourself, but for your teammates. But listening to the leaders talk about, um, yeah, playing for the team and not just for yourself. They kept bringing that up, which made me think that that's probably a bit of a recurring theme. I feel like Dan Butler has really kind of stepped up really quietly, stepped up into a much more consequential role that's less flashy, but he's doing so much more and laying tackles that work and just really stepping it up and showing a lot of humility. I'm really enjoying his play. So am I. I'm nodding. I'm nodding a lot. Yeah. Uh, One other thing that was so fantastic was Higgins and King, two players who'd sort of been hard done by, by their kicking, uh, particularly their set shots in front of goal in the past couple of weeks both slotted their first goals. Uh, Max King's actually, his first goal wasn't an easy angle at all. And he got it in. And then he did his second one as well. And something that I think it was Nick Rewalt actually uh, commented on was that perhaps because the first set shot was such a difficult angle, he didn't put as much pressure on himself, which I think was totally great, like totally true. But also he took quite a few deep breaths and like, and he didn't look the the kick and the setup didn't look as half-hearted as it had done in the past couple of weeks, I would say. Interesting. Uh, I would have thought he just seemed calmer overall, like the, the stakes were lower somehow, you know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. If I'm honest, that's probably something as well that the coaches were saying. They were probably like, we're at our lowest of lows. We've, you know, we're all getting bad things said about us in the media. There's not much worse that can be done. Our season is, you know, we're probably not going to make finals, but, you know, yeah. Let's humble up and focus on what we can focus on. Yeah, I agree with you about Long. I think he, I think he just did so well during the game and I hope that he's secured his spot for next week. And I thought, I just, I, 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 you know, I had that good, those good thoughts about Mason Wood and I really feel like he has had such an impact. That mm-hmm. smart kick that he made on the fly to King. Oh, my that got him, gosh. That got King his first goal. Was It was on the fly and it was so unexpected. And it's it's like I said, I think it's exactly what we need because we've got, uh, you know, I love Ross, but anytime he gets the ball, he bombs it long. He is not someone who creatively kicks the ball very often. And, 
you know, then you've got, but then you've got Mason Wood who comes along and I feel like he's always creative with the ball and he kicked it to Max forward and to his left on the opposite side from the defender so that the defender couldn't reach the ball in time, but he knew that Max could and that allowed him to set up for his goal. And that was just so impressive and on the fly. It was. Um, and it was under yeah. pressure as well. <clears throat> yeah, um, it really was. Uh, I also thought, um, I mean, our, our defence was just absolutely incredible. Keeping Richmond to no goals for a little while was amazing, but just marking it constantly, like Howard marking it or coming up and spoiling. Highmore was so composed and so great. And we also were quick when we needed to be, which has yes. been such an issue in the past. Later on in the game, there was a point where the goal square was empty bar Max King and Higgins turned around and saw him and kicked it to him. And yeah, the kick fell a little bit wide, but it was that quickness that I think as well felt really classy and like true to our style of pressure. I don't know if I would classify it as quicker. I actually thought that overall we were playing quite slowly and deliberately in an attempt to kind of tranquilize the kind of game that Richmond really thrive off of because it would throw them out of their groove. And the moments when it felt quicker, I think they were just moments when our team were particularly connected with what the next right thing was. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Actually, that's a better way of putting it. Uh, I've also got written that Bradley Hill... There was a, a section of play where Bradley Hill gave it to Dunstan and Dunstan kicked it superbly off the ground and like it, one of our other players marked it. I've also got when Prestia, a player on the other team, uh, was like pulled up by the ref, oh, sorry, pulled up by the umpire and the umpire you could hear on the mic was saying, you be very careful how you speak to me. Well, it was the third warning. Was it? It was the third warning. He was like, that's your third, that's your third warning. Oh. You'd be very careful now, mate. So I'm, I mean, you know, ever the gossip, I'm just very curious to know what was said, especially because we hadn't heard the first two times. Well, if they, if they swear or anything, an umpire is, I believe, allowed to, or that, that, that is called abuse, whether they swear at the umpire or whether they just, you know, like a free gets turned over and they say, oh, blah, blah, blah. I thought Dougal Howard was channeling Clark in some way, shape, or form. He seemed like he was meditating when he was playing. And I felt Caulfield really stepped up as well, obviously, as Hammy sucks. But I thought that in recent weeks he, he'd kind of been a bit off and it's nice to see him getting into set marks like he used to. Yeah, I thought he played great, really great. I also have written down uh, Mason Wood is six foot five, which I did not gather from his tiny body on the TV screen. It's something that one of the commentators said, so perhaps they were wrong. Dunstan's goal was well-deserved. Dunstan played fantastically. Uh, I loved Long's celebration after his goal because he was like, yes, thank thank gosh. But then he also immediately like thanked his teammates. Like The celebration was so short. It was fantastic. He's He has just become so... Uh, carefree in his play like and not in a not in a dangerous way but just in like a I'm just doing the best I can I'm doing my job if like another player from another team gives him a bit of jip he just walks away like he's just become so confident and uh like it sort of seems like not that he wasn't before but like he's really wearing his jumper with pride in a way 
I think he's a model student. He's listening to what he's been told and taking everything into account and trying to deliver on that. I, I imagine it's going to be hard too when you're one of the ones that are in question when a little while ago you were playing regularly and now you're in question all the time. So I feel like he's get, keeping his head down and working hard. That's the impression that you get watching him on the field. Yep, yeah. And he laid a great tackle that was holding the ball on Richmond and he yes, so calm when he got like, when they were like, yep, holding the ball, he was just like, yep give it to me yeah I'm great and I'm gonna win um, also and- he, he he would have maybe gotten a second goal earlier yeah he sort of but I think he he kind of got his head wrapped up into how can I make this a goal rather than how can I move the ball on just in that brief moment because of the yeah. awkward angle where he was but but he did he did a really great job for sure I don't mean to like kind of toot my horn but you know how I'd said like the last couple of weeks that even though it was a sad result, everyone's like, this is disastrous. And I felt like it's just been growing pains. Like it's us kind of burgeoning to what we can get to. And as long as we can be consistent, I'm really hopeful that this is more like it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, also memory didn't have like a huge scoreboard impact, but I thought, you know, he, he always stands tall and plays fantastically. There was a free that got paid against him that he got quite like annoyed at, which you don't often see, not uh, mm. physically, but just in general. And what I loved seeing was Dunstan going up to him and tapping him and just being like, mate, like, it's fine. We'll get it done. And it was just such great teamwork. I didn't see that. That's really awesome. Yeah, it was, it you, was really great. It's just occurred to me too, you know, yes, we got Marshall back, but we have all of these younger we, and, and Marshall and Ryder both did an excellent job. I mean, they won most of the most of the tap outs in Rock. I didn't think that they were necessarily like the standouts period in the game. But to think about the fact that if we were to get back Jade Gresham and Hannabury and Patton, even though now we have an excellent defense lineup that's really working well, um, and you've, we've got all of these younger players playing, I feel really excited and grateful. And Jones, think about how long Jones has been gone and Billings was playing and and Clark. Clark. So if you think about if this was the standard we can set because we're trying to make a level across board and it feels like the brand of footy you and I have been discussing that Saints is at its best, which is um, calm, connected, not flashy like the other teams, but smart, connected and in that way inventive, but also really good pressure good consistent pressure that is our that's our calling card yeah totally uh did you see that Sinclair got so high to almost mark yeah and I've never seen him do that before no but he, he again Sinclair he just looks so poised doing it that mullet fell down in perfect formation uh I've got written down it should have been a free just out of sheer amazement at how high he got yeah. Uh, also, I loved Dougal getting a free against Cochin and just being like, really <laughs> give it back. Uh, I love Dougal Howard. So great. So great. Uh, and so Caulfield, as Bianca mentioned, injured his hamstring, uh, only out for one or two weeks, I believe. Uh but that brought on Connolly, a debutante who has been sort of listed as in the emergencies for the past couple of weeks. And uh, I thought he stood up really well. He 
he he did a little rod and bounce and I was like yes go like take your moment claim it and he he did he did really well I thought yeah I agree with you I thought that the fact that he had confidence to just get right into it mid-game I think because he didn't have the time to think about it necessarily but he did say that he was able to get his family out for the game just in case because I believe he was the first emergency sub originally maybe um and uh so his family got to see him play. He didn't let the fact that it was happening mid-game throw him off. That probably helped because there wasn't the traditional sort of handing of the jumper and the big build-up. He got to just be right in the heart of what he already knows. And it was already kind of at a point in the game where the the, the, the tempo of things was sort of established. So yeah, he it was said, great to see his confidence. Yeah. He said in his post-game interview that it was quicker than he was used to. But did you hear what he said? I, I did. I remember thinking it was hysterical, but what did he say? He was like, it was good to get a lick of the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he was just so Australian. So Australian. Well, he's from the country, but he, it. he like on the field, when the camera came up to him towards the end of the game, when he'd taken a mark, his face was just so red and he was so like, but still so hunger, hungry and eager. And I was just like, I bloody love a debutant. I love him. I know. I know we root for them here on Two Girls, One Club. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, um, any any other remarks? Crouch? Crouch played great as always. Oh, uh, he was excellent. He was he, excellent. He's, he's so good. He's so good. And I apologise that I didn't think much of him in his first couple of games. He just clearly didn't get a chance to shine. No, he's warmed um, up into it, you know. He's oh, warmed yeah. up into it. I think before he was finding his footing a bit and now he's excellent. Yeah. Also, like something that happened in a lot of the previous games, the umpire would be saying, St Kilda Ruck, St Kilda Ruck. And in the previous games, we just sometimes wouldn't have a Ruck, which was clearly like just poor effort and communication. This happened, that happened this time. And the first time the umpire said St Kilda Ruck, Butler just put his hand up. And I was like, yes, you're a little man. You're against a tall man in the Ruck, which you're never in the Ruck. And he did pretty good. And I was like, yes, it just shows that hunger and that like, we're not going to make stupid little errors. Well, it shows that people aren't just thinking about themselves and what they feel they need to get done. And that's yeah. a really good sign, especially from Butler, who is known for being flashy. And now I think he's known for, put, for getting his head down. But that's amazing. I wish I'd seen that moment. It was, it was so good. And also uh, Mackenzie, our first goal kicker, he got a free in our Ford 50 and he kicked a barrel of a goal. It just snuck in. But what was quite, I don't know if you caught, caught on to this, B, but the commentator was like for a 36-point lead as he was lining up. And then Mackenzie's number's 36. And I was like, oh, it just has to go through. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. And he was so happy. And then, B, did you see that... Um, on the screen, it came up in the bottom left corner and it was a McDonald's thing and it said Mackenzie's moment. Yeah, because they were waiting. They look for all of the mooks in a, na- in a game and then if someone gets it, that that's what they do. They use the play on words. It's so yeah. silly. It's but so he funny. just, I love, his, I love his joy. It's kind of like Jack Higgins. The others are like, they feel like this guttural sense of triumph, but they just feel pure joy. 
and glee. And so Mackenzie just sort of runs around with this big smile on his face. It's almost like he's not an athlete that just happens to play football. Do you know what I mean? It's just that vibe about him. And you go, oh, wow, he's an athlete who trains really hard in the gym. This is very strange because it feels antithetical to his happy-go-lucky personality. You almost think of him as like a traveling salesman who happened to kick a goal and he's just the most joyous of them all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I've also got written that there was a really great sort of uh, play from the Richmond 450 all the way to us and Membry was really unlucky to not mark it in our um, 450. The ball was just a little bit slippery. I love a 50 meter penalty against Dustin Martin. And he was, he was holding his head up high, which was great too, because he was obviously playing well as he always does. But I love that when there's a 50 meter penalty against him, I mean, this is why he would have won the Brownlow a few years ago. He just doesn't argue, just runs along to the 50. Yeah. I thought the whole game, he, he comported himself with grace. You know, you couldn't tell on his face, the level of frustration going up. He, it seems like he treats it as a journey rather than a destination versus yep. Cochin, who I just can't stand. Even the commentator said at one point, he was like, that's the thing with Cochin. Yeah. Cochin can give it out, but he can't take it back. So true. R- Richmond can give it out, but they can't take it back, it seems. Uh, another goal that Max King was brilliant keeping it in our Ford 50. It was going to go through for a behind, and he handballed, handballed it back. And Mason Wood was really unselfish and kicked it to Ross, who kicked... Um, a really great goal from a set shot. And it felt really nice that Ross kicked a goal because he copped a lot of flack last week for missing the game to be with his family from a certain journalist who we won't name. People, well, people think that journalist is a bit of a disgrace for saying that now. I think that's yeah. what happens when you don't have good intentions and no one wins. Yeah. Um, it's also particularly I- sweet because in round five when we met, they beat us by 86 points. Wow. So that was our last encounter. Well. And let me say, Sophia, in 1961, if we kept them to the lowest score before this, and in 1963, we won the grand final, what does that say about the upcoming couple of years? I don't know. Or do I, I? Think it's, I think it says history repeats itself, Bianca. I think we know that it does. And uh, I'm happy to be along for the ride, especially, you know, as a St Kilda supporter. Yeah, together we rise. Uh, Together we um, rise. Yeah. Um, Just the last couple of things I have to say is um, I love defying expectations. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The umpires in this game, I think, were really on it. Like, they were pretty good. Because in the last quarter, there was like a Richmond player dived on the ball and it was called holding the ball. And I was like, yeah, because it was like, and, so, you know, sometimes umpires don't pay those. I loved Connolly giving a Richmond player like a shove off the ground. And I was like, it was just so like, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm playing footy. Um, and he just looked really happy in the song at the end, which was great. Yeah, except that he was being spritzed with Gatorade. And I was like, oh, gross, that's going to take it. A- shower I mean they all have showers of course but ugh. that's what they do it's, it's yeah but I thought it was usually just water but Gatorade bit sticky yeah on your fresh jumper should we move on to any anecdotes 
you? I spoke to our dad and all I know is he texted his close friends who are Richmond supporters and said, I hope you had a good day and I hope you had an even better night. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's awful. I don't care. They always win. I'm like, lose for yeah, one. Yeah, but we wouldn't enjoy getting those texts. <laughs> yeah, but we, we never do because we defy expectations, Bianca. One other thing I want to say. I hope they keep the same team for next week. Bar Caulfield, maybe give Connolly another shot or someone else who's able to come back that's a bit more senior and have Connolly as the medical subject by tell if he's not concussed next week. But I, I don't bring Frawley back because our back line's working really well and I think bringing Frawley in will actually throw it off. Totally. Okay, Bianca, what have you got for me in the journal section? Woo! So the first excerpt we have is from Max Lawton of Fox Sports, the good old 321, which I think is always trusty and insightful. Sophia, will you read the quote that I have there from Max Lawton? Sure thing. He says, the numbers are staggering since the start of last year. With Rowan Marshall and Paddy Ryder in the side, the Saints now have a win-loss record of 12 to 6. Without at least one of them, the Saints are 5 to 10. Double the wins with them and double the losses without them. It's as glaring as an impact you're likely to see from a one-two punch in the competition. That the Saints did what they did to the Tigers, even without either Ryder or Marshall, having a standout game is testament to the pair's importance and a warning sign to the rest of the competition as the Saints look to atone for a horrible first half of the year. Yeah, it is. This time round, Saints fans will be hoping this latest rediscovered side is the rule, not the exception. Gosh, he's a writer, isn't he? He is. I'm going to bargain and say that it is becoming the rule uh, using the evidence of our last two games where we came so close and we had excellent pressure, but we dropped off. I think that we, as I said, as I've said many times, it was growing pains and this is sort of the breaking through and I hope that we are able to be consistent, but that's, that's a really, that's a really big stat that if every time both of those players are in the game, we win 12 games and we lose six and then every time they're not in the game, we win five and we lose 10. That is just so bad. Well, it's it's 66% efficiency with both of them, isn't it? And then 66% ratio, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I the one thing, I, th- I, I agree. I think we obviously play better with them because they both have such a great relationship with each other. As they said in this last week's game, Marshall gives Ryder a bit of a break from the ruck and they're both just star players I just hope we're training up some rucks but I think we are I think we just got a ruck player from the mid-season draft so we did who's who seems super promising I'm really excited to see him play actually yeah gosh I really I want Ryder and Geary to be with us for a grand final I know what are your thoughts on the consistency aspects? Do you think we've got it in us to continue the consistency trend? Collingwood are two prongs below us in the ladder. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Collingwood have just, what is quite interesting though, is Collingwood, um, you know, just lost their coach. who just retired. Nathan Buckley, a Collingwood great really. Uh, and Robert Harvey, a St. Kilda great, is currently caretaker coach of Collingwood, which is quite interesting. Uh so, you know, he might have some insights. I, I don't know if he will. But I think I think we will continue on this cons- consistent route. Yeah. Awesome. 
And the next one, B. Sure. So I'll, I'll read this one out. So it's called Richmond on the Rocks after notching lowest score since 1961. This is by Damien Ratcliffe and apologies for last week. That is the spelling of his name. I doubt they'd make the same mistake twice. So he says, quote, Luke Dunstan in his 109th game for the Saints produced arguably the best game of his career, racking up 32 disposals, 11 clearances, and a brilliant forward 50 stoppage goal, end quote. Sophia, what is a clearance? Are you asking because you don't know? Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like where you clear the ball out of an area. So if it's in their Ford 50 and you get the ball and run and bounce with it or clear the ball out and then someone marks it. Okay. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, Luke Dunstan did play brilliantly. He has had quite a stint in the VFL and I believe there was one game in the VFL where he kicked eight goals. And, you know, arguably lots of people are questioning why he wasn't brought back in sooner. And I think it's because... You know, we just do have so many great midfielders at the moment and clearly he stood up on Friday and played a really great game and I think it's exciting that we have so many players to pick from, you know. Uh, and that leads us quite well into this week's player PSA. Oh, who have you got for me, Sophia? Luke Dunstan. Oh. So... Luke Dunstan was drafted by St Kilda in the 2013 AFL draft from none other than the SANFL, which is where Highmore and Wilkie were both drafted from, uh, although perhaps it's very common that to be drafted from there and I'm just ignorant. I don't know. I just thought that was quite cool. Uh, his first game for St Kilda resulted in an AFL Rising Star nomination for his performance. An integral part of our midfield, Dunstan's performance on Friday proved a whopping comeback from some time off of our 22. And as the article just said, with a 32 disposals, a game high, 11 clearances and a goal. So Bianca, question one, what injury all but ruled Dunstan out of the 2020 season? A, Achilles, B, ACL, C, torn pectoral muscle, or D, shoulder injury? Oh, I think it's B or D. I mean, oh, I'm going to go with D. Incorrect. It was C. He had a torn pectoral muscle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but he still travelled up to the hub in June of 2020 and frequently helped with coaching in the scratch matches. So now that's something he's got under his qualifications. And he also... Uh, I believe, coached our AFL Women's League for quite a while. Wow. A torn peck, though, that's got to hurt. Yeah. Uh, Question two. What pick number was Dunstan drafted at? A, number 12, B, 22, C, 7, or D, 18? A, 12. Incorrect. He was D, 18. Yeah. Uh, Question three. Who passed on to Dunstan the iconic number seven Guernsey? A, Lenny Hayes, B, Nikki Wenmar, C, Tony Lockett, or D, Robert Harvey? Oh, it's A or C. 
Hey, Lenny Hayes. Correct. Ha ha. Iconic St Kilda player Lenny Hayes, one of the best midfielders in the league, gave Dunstan the number seven jumper, who was an emerging midfielder at the time, and he etched into the number seven locker as he left. I hope it's as good. I hope it's as good to you as it was to me. Give him hell. Nice. Yeah. And the ultimate question: <laughs> What star sign is Luke Dunstan? A. Aquarius. B. Leo, C, Libra, or D, Virgo? I'm going to go for B, Leo. Incorrect. He's an Aquarius and he is born on January 29, 1995, 26 years old. Yeah. Great. B, would you like to close us out for next week? Sure, Sophia. So next week we take on Black and White Collingwood once again at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, MCG. Collingwood won our last three encounters, so the odds are in our favour to not have that happen again because, you know, yeah. So if you see a Richmond supporter on your travels this week, make sure to give them a little bit of a hum of oh, when the Saints go marching in. Just make sure it's It's at the level they can hear it, but not the level you'll get punched. (laughs) Go the Saints and have a brilliant week. What's the other one? I don't even know. He's like Foley, but he's not. And the penultimate question. Penultimate means the one before the last one. When the Saints go marching in.